Hallelujah. You know, they sing in this season, joy to the world. The Lord has come. But I say, joy to the world, my sins are gone. Amen. Amen. I'm happy night and day. Not because of some tree or some Santa Claus or some present or tinsel or whatever more it might be that other people are happy about. I'm happy my sins are gone. Yes, because a child was born in a manger. It's because a baby came and was born of a virgin. Yes, that's true. And because he died at Calvary, my sins are gone. Aren't you happy? Amen. We are happy people. Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer. Wonderful Redeemer. Lord, how blessed it is to come into your presence, O God. To the place, Lord, where saints of like precious faith gather together bringing their licks of fire, Lord. As the scripture said, the sons of God come to present themselves before the Lord. We come to present ourselves in your presence, Lord, that you might examine our lives by your word. That you might come by our way and you might make yourself known unto each and every one of us. For how great are the depths of the riches of the mind of God. And how great things that you have revealed to us in this hour. That we might walk before you. Lord, when you cried out to Abraham and said, walk before me and be thou perfect. Lord, that has come right down to the end of time where you said you would have a bride that is without spot or blemish. Lord, that is perfect in every way in your sight because of the blood of the lamb that, yes, was born in a manger, but was slain at Calvary that we might be redeemed. We thank you for it, Lord, and we give ourselves to you tonight in this little time we have together. Our mind, Lord, is in many different directions, but we want our minds to be, as we say, in one mind and one accord tonight. That, Father, you might do that which is right in your sight, for you know the needs that are amongst us, Lord. We don't want to just be distracted tonight and say, well, you know, there's events coming up and that sort of thing. Lord, we want to meet with you tonight. We want to hear from you tonight. We want to touch the hem of your garment by faith this evening. Come by our way, we pray. There might be a blind Bartimaeus tonight that cries out saying, Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, you'll hear that cry. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Take complete control, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to the book of Psalms, chapter 31. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there ever was an hour that it was good to be a Christian, this is the hour. We want certainly to partake of all the benefits that God has for us in this hour because the enemy is certainly doing all that he can to distract us from this hour. Amen. Distract us from what God is doing and Take us captive. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I was reading through Psalms 31. We read this scripture to start uh, about 10 days ago when we ministered on uh, the secret feast in time of battle. We're going to take another aspect of that tonight, dwell more maybe on the feast aspect of it. Last time we dwelt more on the battle. And uh, as I was reading through this entire chapter and and looking at the different ways, it's amazing 
how David records this and in many other psalms as he's in the midst of a great struggle. And as you read through his struggles, you find that a lot of it is mind struggles. It's battles in his mind and things that he's wrestling with and and things that are being said about him and things that are being done against him and the, the circumstances that are arrayed against him. But then he lifts himself up into the presence of God. And that's what a, a person has to uh, understand and learn how to do as a Christian. We're not immune from battles, but we have great weapons to overcome the enemy in the midst of this warfare. So Psalms chapter 31, you might want to read the entire chapter when you go home and just get the context, but we'll just read two verses, verse 19 and verse 20. So in the midst of all of this struggle, he cries out in verse 19, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. For thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Amen. The Lord is blessing to the word. You may be seated. So as David records or or writes, as he sends this psalm, as it's written to the chief musician... He, he cries out, uh, in the midst of his, uh, distress. He looks up to God and says, but how great is your goodness? I'm going through a great trial, but how great is your goodness? I'm going through a battle, but I want to exclaim that God is good. And as we sing, God is good all the time. And there, there's never a situation but what we go through, but we realize that he has our best interests in his mind. And he's promised in his word to never allow us, and, and believe me, I remind myself of this just like you do, but he, he never allows us to go through more than we can handle. For he knows what we can handle, and he'll never let the situation go too far. And so we are thankful for his goodness that he watches over us. He watches over the strife that's round about us. And and, uh, he also, David says, it's not just his goodness, but that which he has laid up for them that fear thee. That word laid up actually can be interpreted hidden. So he's hidden this great goodness for those that fear him. In other words, it's not publicly known to everybody, but to those that fear God, there is a a certain goodness of God that is hidden away just for you. For them which fear thee, which thou hast wrought. And this word wrought is a common word, but but the emphasis is that God has done it. It's not that you have to store up. He has stored up. It's not that you have to provide. He has provided. As the scripture says, perilous times will come. But God has stored up some things for the elect in the midst of perilous times. In the midst of this hour that we are living in, there is a secret refuge and a secret source of strength to those that fear God and will turn to Him. And this goodness is prepared for you and He has done the work. Amen. You don't have to do the work. He's already done the work. 
We could say, as Brother Branham said, God by grace sent a prophet. Amen. God by grace revealed His Word. God by grace loosed the seven seals. Grace means predestinated and unmerited. It's not something that we did it. It's a one-sided covenant. But God has done this great thing and is for you. Amen. Amen. So we rejoice tonight. You know, we could, we could liken it, of course, to the, to the Christmas story of, of how that Jesus was sent, born in a manger, born of a virgin. And who did that? God did that. There was no council of churches. There was no Pharisees. There was no nothing else. But God had prepared something. He had determined that this was the season. And the pieces, I would say, to the to the vision, as it were, of the prophets were now coming into place. And a virgin was on the earth. And circumstances were just right. And a nation was beginning to control the nations. And different things were in place. But in the midst of this, God did something good. And because of that, there was a resource in that hour to for them that trust thee before the sons of man. So for specific individuals in these very specific times, I want to say God has done in Laodicea marvelous things that are going to carry us through. He's already prepared it. Praise the Lord. He's already done it. You just need to tap into the resource. If you're not already there. If you're already there, stay there. Keep tapping into the resource. Don't let the devil try and distract you. Amen. Now, I will say that the devil at the same time has been preparing. He's been working overtime to prepare for end time events. I want you to maybe put those slides up for me if you would. I thought I was reading through this and I thought, you know, it's it's something that maybe I'll just read it here. And I put it up on the screen so you could follow along. And, uh, you know, Brother Branham, in the resume of the church ages, he he makes these statements. He says the false church groups will come together in a world council of churches. This world council of churches is the image erected to the beast. And then he reads Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 to 18. You can read, read that when you go home where it talks about the lamb rising up out of the, uh, the lamb rising up out of the land and, and the different events. He says, now remember it was imperial pagan Rome that fell by the sword, but she was healed of her death stroke when she joined the nominal Christian church of Rome and incorporated paganism and Christianity. And thereby became the Holy Roman Empire, which was to endure until Jesus came and destroyed her. But Rome is not going it alone. Her daughters are right with her, and she will take over absolute authority by the World Council of Churches. He says, this may seem far-fetched to some, and it does in this hour. But actually, it is very plain for all to see because right now the churches are controlling politics and at the opportune time will manifest exactly how great is that control. All right. So in other words, churches were moving in a political sphere. And he says there'll come a time where the world will realize just how much control they have. He says this ecumenical move will end up with Rome at the head. 
even though the people did not envision it that way. This is so because in Revelation 17, 3 to 6, it states that the whore, Mystery Babylon, is seated on the beast. She is controlling the last fourth empire. The Roman church is doing that. With the world church system under her, Rome will be controlling. And this image, the church system, will be obedient to Rome because Rome controls the gold of the world. Why are you reading this, Brother Tim? Because the devil is making preparations. Thus, all the people have to belong to the world church system or be at the mercy of the elements. For they cannot buy or sell without the mark of the beast in the hand or head. This mark in the head means that they will have to take the doctrine of the world church system, which is Trinitarianism, etc. Now, I just want to say this. If you are going to walk away from God, don't walk into Trinitarianism. You know, we see that much with people that walk away from the message of the hour. They go into the very thing that will become a persecution of the true bride, thereby partaking of the persecution of the bride. All right, so you'll see the spirit of some, not all, some just walk away from God and and hide themselves somewhere, but some just determine that they're against what God is doing. Well, that's the way it's got to be. He says, and the mark in the hand, which means to do the will of the world church. What's the will of the world church? With this great power, the church systems will persecute the true bride. All right. How will they do it? This image will try to keep the bride from preaching and teaching, etc. Her ministers will be forbidden to give comfort and truth to the people who need it. Now, listen, these are things that are coming to pass even as we speak. We see in countries laws coming into place. In other countries, the laws are already in place, but not yet enforced. That ministers are only recognized as ministers by having a theological degree from a recognized theological institution. In other places of the world, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's China or whether it's Africa or whether it's India and India. It's the Hindus that are in control that are against Christianity. And so how do they operate against Christianity? They put more rules in place. All right. And so this will come to pass, Brother Branham says. Now, this is in the 1960s. This is being spoken. Here we are in 2018. But he says, before the Antichrist in person takes over this complete world system of churches, the true church will be taken away from this world to be with the Lord. God will catch away his bride for the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Thank you. You can take that down. That's where we're at. And I want to say, I was thinking of titling it this tonight. The marriage supper is greater than the Christmas supper. Amen. Our minds are maybe on turkey and desserts and some fancy meal and some things. And, you know, this is the season. But let me tell you something. Greater than any feast you're going to have in the next couple weeks is the feast we're going to have on the other side. Amen. So the devil's been busy preparing for end time events. Let's just stay there just for a moment. 
So we see these laws coming into place against ministry. We see it coming against the elect of God. You know, we see it coming against the elect of God because always man tries to organize. It was the organized church that was against Jesus Christ. They had all kinds of bad things to say about him, how that he was, he, he ate with unwashed hands and he ate with publicans and sinners and he, and he did things on the Sabbath day that it's not lawful to do. Who, according to who? That was the word made flesh. But he wasn't recognized by their system. Peter didn't have a theological degree and John didn't have a theological degree and all the apostles that took the gospel to the world, even Paul had to count everything that he had ever learned as dung in order to take this gospel to the world because the system tried to put God in a box. We see laws coming into place in the world against hate speech. What is hate speech? That's something different than you would define it as. And the question with hate speech, they, uh, they look at it in the political realm. And the biggest question is, who defines what is hate speech? That's the big question. And so if you put the definition into the hands of carnal and unbelieving men and women, then what it turns out to be is anything spoken against an identifiable group, which it might be the... Uh, I don't know all the letters. We'll just call them the strange community. The, you know, the, the homosexuals and the lesbians and all of that community. And then they've got the transgenders and they've got this group and they've got that group or, or anything, anything that is ever spoken against an identifiable group is hate speech. And those laws are being put on the government books right now. All right. So, there's the, the registration and the qualification of ministers. There's the removal of benefits of churches. You know, sometimes, and I, I just lay this in here. This isn't really my subject, but sometimes people don't understand why in North America churches have had taxable benefits. Why that, that uh, you know, that they allow people that give to churches to have a tax deduction. And the reason has been that it has been deemed throughout history that churches were a benefit to society. That they improve the quality of people's lives and thereby improve society. But now they're thinking that we don't want that kind of improvement. And so they actually want to withdraw these benefits because they don't want to make it easy for the gospel to be shared. But regardless of what obstacles that the devil puts in front of us, God's word will go to the elect. That's just the facts. It's not, it's not debatable. It's not we're trying to overcome things. God's going to do it. You know, every time I was talking to Brother Murphy about it the other day, it seems every time we come up to an obstacle, you know, just as we come up to it, God makes a way around it. And it seems like when, you know, Brother Branham even said that about faith. He says, you know, it seems like the most ex- greatest experience I ever have in life is when I come up to a mountain and I can't see a way over it. I can't see a way around it. I can't see a way through it. But yet I keep walking towards it, knowing that God has to make a way. And then when I get there and God makes a way, it's the greatest experience you can have. So there's a lot of things in life, in spreading the gospel, in living a Christian life, in you can call it missions work, whatever it might be. When God, when there seems like an insurmountable obstacle, but you know it's the will of God, you keep moving forward. God will make a way. 
So Satan is preparing the age, in this age that we live in, for anything goes and nothing is wrong. His idea is to take away all the wrong and then everyone will be happy. Because then nobody's wrong. But yet the opposite is true. The more you remove the, the standards, the more you remove the, the, the landmarks, then what happens is people become more dissatisfied with life. And it's actually proven fact in science that people become squirrely in their thinking and they, they become unhappy and they become uh, very distressed and depressed and anxiety begins to set in and all of these kind of things in their mind because there isn't a standard. Listen, and the problem is that Satan wants to say there's no absolute, but it's the absolute that holds the sanity of the age. And if you walk away from the absolute of God's word... If you take that out of somebody's life and you indeed take it away from society, what you're left with is insanity. People losing their minds because they, if there's no absolute, then how can I be just as right as the next person when I know that I'm so uncertain in myself? But it's in man to seek truth. Let me say that again. It's in man to seek truth. It's put in him to seek God. It's put in him to seek a higher realm that he's living in. It's put in the individual. And if you say, well, there is no higher realm. This is all we got. Then all you've got is depression. And all you've got is anxiety. But seek God with all your heart. That's why the Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Of those that diligently seek Him. You want rewards, young people? Diligently seek God. Not knowledge. Not, don't, don't misunderstand me. We're not seeking knowledge of the message. We're not seeking quotes and understanding and that sort of thing. Seek God. Know His ways. Know the reality of God. Know what it is when you pray and God hears your prayers. Know what it is when you come up against something and you know your God is on the scene. That's the kind of knowledge we want in our lives. That's the kind of godliness we want in our lives. Amen. So Brother Branham says, he says, I passed over California the other day. These are quotes you've probably heard before. He says, uh, he's talking about the Sodom condition of the world and how that it would be as it was in the days of Lot. Says I passed over California the other day and got a hold of a magazine or a paper and read where homosexuals has increased 60% in the last year. And I want you to, I want to show you the connection here to a lowering of standards. And he says, he says it's just because women has thrown themselves away. That's right. And just on the street naked, it's just a shame. Now, that's contrary to human thinking, because human thinking is that, well, if a woman dresses herself in a more provocative way, that will more attract men. But what it actually causes is more perversion among men, men attracted to men. My, that's what a prophet said. He says, and again, it's the lowering of the standards causing insanity. He says, but the Bible said they'd be that way. He says, just on the street naked, it's just a shame. But the Bible said they'd be at that, they'd be that way. And even to men, 
It's just they're changed. And it's going to get worse. And then he says, this is 1964. If the world would stand another 50 years, the whole world would be insane. Well, this is 54 years later. And the world is insane. Welcome to the institution. You know, you might think in your mind, what a horrible thing it would be to live in a mental institution. You're there. And insanity is all around you. And insanity is the norm. And, and this is the preparations that the devil has made for this age. All right. Another next scripture, next quote rather, going beyond the camp. Brother Brown says, I see Satan is taking his people beyond the camp of reason. Beyond the camp of common sense. Satan has taken his people the other way beyond the, beyond the camp. And God has taken his people beyond this other way. And Satan has taken them beyond the camp of common decency. And when it comes to a place that people can act and do and get by with the things that they're doing today in the order of morals, it's beyond my thoughts of how a, that a man can set his wife out here dressed like that and then slap somebody for insulting her. It's beyond common sense. He ought to know better than that. Beyond common decency. You might say, Brother Tim, this isn't much of a Christmas message. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But this is where what the devil's doing all around us. And this coming season, the subtleties of the devil and the things even... Even that, I'll just say, the devil likes to put ideas of what Christmas is about. I'll just say, stay with the word. He says, a lady left the house without her top clothes on. She should be in the institution. Because mentally, there's something wrong. And if it was mentally to do a thing like that then... He says it certainly is something that's went insane. It's still a mental deficiency going beyond reason. He says when a man will smoke cigarettes and a doctor proving to him that thousands die every year from the cause and can still puff away at cigarettes, it seems like there's something wrong with a man's mind. And when a man has a mental shock and he can't get himself together what he's doing, He'll search every doctor's office there is in the country to find out what's wrong with him. But then he'll stand at the bar or in a car and drink till he's totally insane. He says spending his money to shove himself into that. If he happened to going into it without liquor, then he'll spend every penny he finds to, to the doctor's office to try and find out what's wrong with him. Then Brother Brown says it doesn't make sense. This age that we're living in, it doesn't make sense. All right, one more quote on this line. Forgive me for taking you down this road. But it's sobering, isn't it? And it's it's something to quicken us and stir us and realize, I don't want none of that. I don't want it in my home. I don't want it in my life. I don't want it on my phone. I don't want it on my computer screen. I don't want it anywhere that I am. Because I've been given a resource to keep me away from those things. 
So Brother Bram says, look at the televisions and these things, getting these fictitious things in order. It'll come a time, I predict. I was, I was reading an article the other day on um, uh, the rendering of graphics in movies now. I don't remember the name for it. But where they, they have actors, but then they render them into things that they're not even in. They're actually, I think they call it a green screen or something. And, and they just show a lot of animation and different things that looks real. And the, and the computer effects and graphical effects in movies are beyond the imagination. Well, I, I guess not beyond somebody's imagination, but it's, it's so far into the imagination of man's minds that it's amazing what they can do with programming of a computer. All right. So now here's Brother Branham saying where it'll take people. He says, it'll come to time, it'll come a time, I predict, that people will become totally insane. The world will be people. The Bible speaks of hideous sights as they show in movies today of some prehistoric creatures eggs that's lived in the earth for so many thousands of years hatch and come forth. He says, that's just a minor thing of what's going to happen. All right, so he's saying what they're showing in movies back then in the 60s is minor to what's going to happen. He says, when hell is opened and the devil comes out with all of his mysterious things of locusts with hair like women and teeth like lions, why the world will be completely, totally insane. And it's not just about one degree from it now. 1965, just over 50 years ago, and we're here. But in the midst of the strife of words, there's a secret place. In the midst of all this going on that is driving the world insane, and I can, I can sense, you can sense even as I'm speaking about it, the pressure of the world, even in this service. Amen? Your, our thoughts go to the things that we've heard, or the things that we've seen, or different things that, that maybe you were involved with in some area of your life, or even things that you're secretly involved in now, that, that are pushing you to lines of sanity, that, are pu- that is pushing your mind to a place, even if in your heart you love God. But the Word of God comes to a place. That's why it's, a dis- it's sharper than a two-edged sword to divide asunder between soul and spirit and realize- make you realize that what God has put in your soul is the most important thing you will ever possess. And everything in your body is meant to line up with that. As Brother Branham says, the soul controls the spirit. And the spirit controls the flesh. It's, it's your spirit or your mind realm that tells your flesh, I'm not going to look at that. That tells a young man, look away from those things. That tells a young woman, don't pay attention to the, that kind of thing. People have gone in their minds in a place. And so in the midst of all of these things that are happening now, I want to say in the midst of this world insanity, there's actually been an invitation that has gone out. An invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. Is it that even while the, the devil has been preparing Satan's Eden, there's that heaven has been busy. Praise the Lord. The final preparations are being wrapped up. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. 
I go to make preparations. And there is the place that you want to be. That's where Brother Branham, even as he said in his life, he says, I've been to the regions of the lost. And then he said later in his life, he says, I've seen the regions of the lost coming out on the earth. I've seen the same thing I've seen in the regions of the lost become amongst the people that are on the face of the earth. And he says, whatever you do, he says, I've also been on the other side. He says, a place of perfect love, a place of perfect rest, a place where, where it's just the word. He says, sublime doesn't even cover it. He says, and whatever you do, you don't want to go to that place. And whatever you do, you want to make it to that place. Amen. Whatever you do. Amen. Whatever effort you have, whatever energy you have in your life, that is the absoluteness of this age. Don't go there because there is here. There is on the earth. And everything that the devil has contrived of in this age to bombard your mind has been to suck you into that region of the lost. And, and, and cause you to go places you don't want to go. But God sent the sword of his word to cut you free from that. And to lift you up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that you can stand in the presence of God and say, God, I believe you. Amen. I believe there's another realm. I believe there's heavenly things. I'm partaking of joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a quickened believer being able to open his Bible and read a scripture. I don't care. I just opened my Bible. I ended up between the Old and New Testament. <laughs> but open your Bible and you just read any old scripture. I could read any old scripture here. Jesus said, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? You could preach a whole sermon on that. Just any scripture. Listen to a message. Just any message. Plug in any MP3. Turn on any service. Jump to any point in the service. And get blessed. And come into an atmosphere. Because it's atmosphere. Because it's the things that you think on that create an atmosphere. It's the things that you do that create an atmosphere. Had trouble with, with my son. Not trouble. But my son had troubles the other night. We hours in the morning, Tuesday morning. Where's my wife sitting? She over here? She's over there. Tuesday morning, right? Days just blend together sometimes. And especially when you're up in the middle of the night with a baby. And I, I heard her get up and the baby was all distraught. And, and, uh, yeah, and I kind of thought I knew what it was. And so I wait to see if he calmed down and he didn't calm down. I think you were up two hours with him. Is that about it? Two hours. And he was just troubled, troubled, troubled. And, I, and finally she came into the room, five in the morning. And, uh, and I, and she said, oh, I, I can't get him to sleep. He's just, every time he wakes up and he's scared and he's fearful. And, and I knew what had caused it. I'm not going to tell you what caused it because it's not that important, but I knew what had caused it. And so and I'm not telling you because I did it because I didn't do it. <laughs> But I knew what had caused it uh, for him to have these troubles. And so I said to her, all right, give them to me. You go to sleep. She was she was preparing for something. I knew she needed her sleep. I said, you go to sleep. I'll take care of him. So she went to bed, and I got up. And five in the morning, took him in his room, put a, held him in my arms, and just began to create an atmosphere as I begin to sing. Now, when I sing, 
that doesn't necessarily create an atmosphere. But it's the song that I was singing that creates an atmosphere. All right. And I just began to sing, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same. And I just began to sing this song. As his holy name. Just began to create an atmosphere. Then I moved to another song. And I can't remember how that one went right now. And so then we just began to to sing and create an atmosphere. So then I began to sense a little bit of easiness come in the room. And then I began to just pray. And look to the Lord. And so I took him out of my arms and I laid him in the crib. And I kept singing. I kept creating an atmosphere. And then I thought, well, I can't go to bed yet because he's not totally asleep yet. So then I just had a prayer meeting. I thought I got down on my knees in front of the rocking chair and I thought, Lord, I can't go to bed anyway because he's not ready yet. So I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. So after about, oh, I don't know how long it was in prayer. I won't even say not important. But after a little while in prayer, then I found out he was sound asleep, solid as a rock. I got up from there and went back to my bed and crawled into bed. And my wife was sound asleep and everybody was sound asleep. What is it? Where did I learn that from the message of the hour? If it wasn't for this message, I wouldn't know to do that. But you learn how to create an atmosphere. You know that you're a son of God. And you have a right to take a situation under your control. And so you begin to apply the word by the weapons of the warfare that have been given to you. And he woke up. He slept, I think, till 11 o'clock that morning, whatever it was, and had a wonderful night's sleep. My wonderful, my wonderful wife had a wonderful night's sleep, and everybody was chipper and happy in the morning. Why? Because there's a place to go that's a secret place of refuge. Hallelujah. You've been invited. There's an invitation that's gone out. The angels have been busy preparing the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't know what they're doing, but there's preparations that are going on. There's, you know, Jesus said, he he talked about it in parables, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a supper for his son, and he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. But they would not come. My what is he? That's the hour that we're living in. When the, the invitation has gone out to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and there's many in this hour that says, you know what? I don't want it. Why don't they want it? There was, they had come with many excuses. Some says, well, I bought me a piece of land. And some says, I've married me a wife. And some says, I've bought me uh, a yoke of oxen. And, and so they've got all these reasons about the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches that are distracting them from the greatest invitation that's ever been given. Well, you know, if you were given an invitation tonight to some kind of a social event or a birthday event or, or a wedding event or something in this world, you might gauge it as how important it is to you. But there's nothing more important than the marriage of the Lamb. Nothing's more important. Jesus says in, in another place, Luke records it. He says, a certain man made a great supper, bade many and sent his servant at supper time. To say to them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. That's the end time message. When everything was ready, 
When everything was prepared, then the call goes out, come, for everything's ready. Like Matthew 25, at midnight there was a cry. And this uh, cry made, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. You see, I'm talking about an invitation. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven, firstly with a shout. Firstly, the message goes out. Firstly, the invitation goes out. To gather the elect from the four corners of the earth and bring them into the image of Jesus Christ. Bring them into a marriage with the word of God. Bring them into a union with something that is present on the earth and that is the revealing of the word of God. Before you go to the marriage supper, you've got to be married. It's only for the bride and the bridegroom. The angels will be in attendance. The heavenly host will be there. But it's really being prepared for the bride, the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. Amen. The shout has come to take us there. Amen. I don't want to keep us too long tonight. But it's invitation only. And it's not public invitation. But a secret invitation. It's a place where only the bride can be gathered around. That's why he says the, the Lord will come as a thief in the night. It'll be a secret catching away. It'll be a, a word that will go to those whom he knows are prepared to receive this word. And with her enemies gathered all around her. She'll receive this invitation. But this invitation is not just an invitation to a future event. This invitation is an invitation to a present event. Like the shepherds that were in the field, when they heard the heavenly host crying out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of goodwill. They misinterpret that and say peace and goodwill to men. But it's actually to men of goodwill. And so in all of that proclamation, they thought, oh my, this is, this is a great event that's future or past. No, this is something that's happening right now. Go into Bethlehem and you will find him laying in a manger. And there you will be able to see this king that is born in Bethlehem. And what did they do? They immediately left their flocks out in the field and they ran into the city to go and behold the present day event. Amen. This message is not just an invitation to a future event. This is an invitation to right now be clothed with the word of God. Right now, take your position in the body of Jesus Christ. Right now, recognize that Christ is born in the manger of your heart. Right now, recognize the reality of a power of a word that has come in this hour to protect you from the insanity that's all around you. The only thing that can protect you is what God has done in this hour. The work that he has wrought to hide you in the secret place. Oh Lord, hide me till I wrath be passed. Hide me in the secret of your pavilion. With the wrath of God belching overhead, the government's going crazy. 
The nation's going crazy. The populace going crazy. Burning up, protesting. The, the perversion's going crazy. Everybody wants their way. Everybody wants their idea. But in the midst of it all, God says, you're invited to a secret place. Hallelujah. I got invited to this secret place. What a message. I got invited to this message. I got invited to partake of this. I got invited to feed on this. I got invited to be strengthened by this. I got invited to be protected by this. What else is there? This is all there is. Lord, hide me from this wrath that is pouring out on the world. Until it's all gone, just hide me in this secret place. Fill me with the strength of the revealed Word of God. This is not a church system. It's not a group. It's not, it's not a, a name on a, of a tile on a wall called Cloverdale Bible Way or any other building. It's not a particular select group. It's a place. It's a place where God's revelation is being poured out. It's a place where God is pouring in strength. Lord, help me tonight. It's a place where God wants to take you and says, I'll protect you. The devil wants to destroy your mind, but I will protect you. The devil wants to leave you in total confusion, but I will give you peace. The devil wants to fill you with anxiety, but I will give you joy. The devil wants to depress you. The devil wants to take you under the bondage of depression, but I will give you a cause to live for. I have brought this work. I have done this work. I went out into the hills of Kentucky. I took a man out of the hills of Kentucky. I molded his life so that when he spoke, it wouldn't be him speaking. It would be me speaking. He wouldn't speak in theological terms because I don't speak in theological terms. He would speak in common terms. He would speak in common stories. He would speak in human ways. Because he would, he would be an expression of my word in this hour. That you might have a secret place. Hallelujah. That you might have a place to go in the midst of your battle. Hallelujah. God says, I got a place for you. Yes, you're in a battle. Yes, there's enemies all around. Now there's 200,000 spiritual demons that are streaming through this age looking for a bride. Looking for people. Oh, there's one right there. Let's get him. Let's, let's assault his mind. We know what his weakness is. We've studied the human nature for 6,000 years. We know how to do it. We prepared the internet. We have prepared the television. We have prepared the music. We have prepared the radio. We have prepared the society. We have prepared the stores. We have prepared the balls. We have prepared the restaurants. We have prepared everything to assault you. What do we have? A secret place. Hallelujah. We got a message. A secret place. 
that we can run to and be safe. A strong place. A tower that bears the name of the Lord. And we get in because we have a matching name. We're Mrs. Jesus Christ. And we get into this tower just with a knock on the door. Lord, let me in. He says, you're mine. Come on in. You're all mine. Don't worry. Just come into this secret place I have prepared for you. Hallelujah. Oh, what a glorious place. Lord, let me get on my knees. Lord, let me get into the word. Lord, let me get into it. Let me hear a prophet speak. Hallelujah. To those of you that are translators, there's people in your languages that are saying, let me hear it in my own language. Let me hear Brother Murphy laboring. I I caught the end of his his, uh, service Sunday night where he talked about that woman Pentecostal preacher and and how he, he said, I was laboring too much. God bless you, Sister Tracy. And and how he said, you know, I wore myself out. Why did he wear himself out? Was so that some believers over in China could hear a prophet preach. And though they wouldn't understand English, they could hear a Chinese voice telling them what he was saying as they heard a prophet in the background emphasizing the importance of the word. So that they could have a secret place. Hallelujah. Psalms 23 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Psalms 34 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him. Feasting in the presence of our enemies Feasting in the midst of a battle. One time there was a prophet in a battle. He lost his mind. He had a nervous breakdown. And he ran away after he He had proclaimed the name of the Lord on Mount Carmel. Showed them that God was God. And that Jehovah was God. And then the queen threatened him. You killed my my prophets, so-called prophets of Baal. I'm going to kill you. Well, God hadn't covered that with him. He didn't have an answer for that. He searched his mind. He said, God never told me this was going to happen. After I seen the power of God on the mountain, all of Israel ought to have bowed down. The people have lost their minds. And he ran away into the wilderness. Brother Branham said he suffered like a nervous breakdown. And there in the wilderness fed with ravens. And he was just kind of resting up. He had overstrained himself. And then... God spoke to me. He says, now, he says, I want you to go to Zarephath because I have prepared a place where you will be nourished in the midst of this famine. Glory to God. The battle was heavy. Everybody was against him. He was all alone. 
There was nobody to help him but a bunch of crows coming and feeding him some food. And yet after that, the, 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 the brook dries up. He's got no water. And in the midst of all that, God says, now, go over to Zarephath. There's a well there that still has water in it. And there's a woman there that has a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. And it won't run dry. As a matter of fact, it'll nourish you and it'll nourish her and her son. And it'll be a secret place where you will be able to gain strength while the rest of the world is falling apart. Hallelujah. And there he stayed feasting in the midst of a famine. Nourishing himself for strength when nothing else could strengthen him. Jesus said in John 16 about joy. He says, listen, he says, I say unto you that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and you shall be sorrowful. But your sorrow shall be turned to joy. As a woman, when she is in travail with sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. You there now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Hallelujah. In other words, I will take you to a place. You'll have sorrow. You'll go through battles. You'll be in struggles. It'll be like a woman in travail with a child. But you will arrive at a place of great joy. Hallelujah. Now, what kind of place have we arrived at? If you can get into the depths of the word of God in this hour and realize that it's the marriage to the lamb himself that will take you to the marriage supper, it is the place of great joy. I don't have time to go into it because a marriage ceremony is the most joyous occasion that there is. Amen. That's why they sing joy to the world. And that's why I said a marriage feast is greater than a Christmas feast. Whatever joy they have at Christmas time will never compare to the joy that the bride of Jesus Christ has in the opening of the word of God. Amen. Where is all this? It's the secret place of sustenance that's hidden within an end time message. Amen. It's like Brother Brown talked about that bear. I got to bring this to a close. He talked about that little bear when he's out hunting. He was all by himself. He thought, I'm going to take what I enjoy eating. And so he took the ingredients for pancakes or flapjacks, as he would call them, and what to put on them, which he loved, molasses. What I love is maple syrup, but he loved molasses. And he had a little bucket of molasses. I don't know how big that bucket would be. Would you, Brother Ed? I don't know how big it was. He says, but he says he had gone fishing down to the, to the stream and, uh, you know, he had been throwing little bugs in the stream, watching the trout eat the bugs. And he, and he was just kind of, where was he? He was in a secret place. He was in a place of joy, right? There's nobody harming him there. No civilization, no phone calls, no nothing. He was out to himself, just him and his, and his little gear and the Lord and he was just happy. And he comes back to his tent, and there's bears in his tent. 
And the, and the, you know the story, how the mama bear and the baby bears were in there rooting around. They do what bears do, and they scrounge around, and they're looking for stuff. And so he, one of the bears, he, he kind of shooed them away, but one of the baby bears, have you ever been near baby bears? I've been more near than I should be in my life. But, you know, if you've ever been near them, they're, they're just cute little things, and you want to pick them up. But yet, in the midst of it all, you realize they have a mother, and you don't want to pick them up. And so this baby bear's in his tent and not leaving, and so he's trying to figure out what's going on. And finally he gets a right angle to it, and he sees this baby bear has got into his own special treasure, a bucket of molasses. He says, and it had its head stuck in there. And it was just licking away, and it didn't pay no heed to him, and, and it was just going on and on and on. And it was oblivious to the danger that was around it. Because it had got into a source that was that had its full attention and it didn't matter what else was happening. Listen, that's the way it is in the revealing of God's word. You tap into a source that is so rich and so sweet and so powerful that it doesn't matter what the world is doing. Oh my, you get into a secret place, just you alone and the Word of God and the presence of God, and all of a sudden time begins to lose its value. And, and things of the world begin to become so distant, and the pressures of life and, and the, the, the stresses of life become so small because now you've tapped into a secret resource. And that little bear had tapped into his molasses, and it was happy. And Brother Branham said, pretty soon, that bear got its head out. He says, and it ran away a little distance, but it couldn't open its eyes. Sometimes that's the way we need to be. Till we can't open our eyes to the things of the world. And that, that bear was, was there, and the mother came over and started licking on the bear. And the other baby come over and started licking on the bear. And everybody started licking. Brother Branham said it was just like a Pentecostal jubilee. What were they rejoicing in? They were rejoicing in a secret resource. That they had found that they didn't care what else was going on. They were enjoying the resource. Amen. That's what God has done for you in this hour. David says, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence. From the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly. In a pavilion. From the strife of tongues. The musicians would come. The Bible is a love story. Not a Christmas story. The Christmas story is a part of it. And I could say like. A Christmas supper is better than a. Or a marriage supper is better than a Christmas supper. I'd say a love story is better than a Christmas story. It's all about God being in love with his attributes. And the Christmas story is the beginning of a life. And the beginning of the creation of God that culminates in the marriage supper. And I was thinking about Christmas stories about food. That might seem strange. But, you know, food is so much associated with Christmas. Oh, come on. Y'all are looking forward to turkey dinner. You're looking forward to pumpkin pie or, 
or some other kind of pie that might be traditional in your home. And, and I was thinking about the story called The Christmas Carol that I had read about and, and seen maybe a version, a dramatic version of it when I was young. And I got looking at it and I didn't realize it was 175 years ago today that that story was published. And it's some fictional account of a man that, that, you know, considered his deeds as there were poor people that maybe had needs and they had need of food and they wanted to put some kind of Christmas dinner on and, and that sort of thing. And they were, it was about them being able to eat a feast at Christmas time. Then I got thinking about the song or the poem of a good king called, and I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Wenceslas, or Wenceslaus, or something like that. I think he was Czech or something. And it talks about the Feast of Stephen. And I got to studying that and how that, you know, it was about a, a king bringing food to presents, at the, uh, to peasants rather, at this time of year. But the real Christmas story is about the bread of life coming down to man. And a feast that has been brought to us that was represented in the manna in the wilderness. As Jesus said, but I am the real bread of life. And that bread come amongst humanity that in the midst of weakness, in the midst of poverty, in the midst of a need, you and I have a place to go to where we can eat. A place that God has prepared himself for his bride. The Bible says about the marriage supper, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And the bride has made herself ready. I don't have time to go into it, but I'll just say what you wear is important to this feast. The, in the parable of the feast, it said a man was found there without the wedding garment. And he was cast out to where there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, Brother Branham says it this way. In the present stage of my ministry, he says, letters come all the time. One come the other day, he said, Brother Branham, I have the greatest of confidence in you. But I heard you say that a certain denomination which I belong to was backsliding. He said, I have no more confidence in you at all from now on. He said, there's about 25 of the brethren of my denomination sitting in one of your meetings. We just got right up and went off when you said that. I'll tell you what, I think they're crazy. I think they lost their minds. God sent a prophet to correct them and they walked away from it. And Brother Branham goes on, he says, well, all men has forsaken me, but there's one thing, he stood by me. He said, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now here's Brother Branham talking about his battle. He says, all men has forsaken me, but I'll tell you what, I still have a secret place. I still have a place that I can go. He stood by me. He says, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision that's happened down there on the river. I've stayed true to it. 
He's been true to me. I'm trusting in him. And someday I don't know when for a crowning of my ministry. I'll I'll stay just as true as I could be. I don't know what it'll be. And I don't know when it'll be. But when he's ready, I hope he'll crown my ministry of letting me take the clothes of the word and dress his bride in the clothes of the word and his righteousness. God not only invited you to this secret place, he gave you what you need to wear. The way that we are dressed matters. And the what we're eating on matters. At this feast, it matters. And I'll say one thing. Come dressed for the occasion. We're living in an age of casualness. There are no more formal dinners, hardly at all. No more. I think a dinner jacket is a thing of the past. You know, things that people used to dress now, they hardly get out of their pajamas to sit down and eat. At least it looks like it. All kinds of commonness. But let's say, let's agree together in these last days. Lord, dress me in the garment of the word. Clothe me in the revelation of your word. And sustain me in this secret place as this world falls apart. Let's stand together. 526 if you would. Oh, the judgment day is coming. What an awful day it will be. And it's not very far off. But Christ forever is my refuge. He's the rock of ages. That was cleft for me. Do you believe that tonight? Oh, the judgment day is coming. What a
Hallelujah. You're saying he is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything. Both great and small. Is he your everything tonight? Amen. If he isn't, make him your everything tonight. Say, Lord, take away all the distractions. Take away all that the devil's trying to trap me into. And hide me in that secret place. Amen. He is my everything. personal and say you are my everything I want you to realize something if you're here tonight and you're in distress or you're in a, in a situation where you're in a battle and the devil's moving around your life trying to entrap you what you need to do tonight is just what these words say make him your everything say Lord I'm coming to you he'll hear your cry just like he heard the cry of blind Bartimaeus when the noise of the crowd and, and, and distraction, people for him, people against him, all kinds of confusion going on. But blind Bartimaeus, some little faith struck his heart and says, Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and delivered him from his blindness. You heard tonight about a secret place. It literally is a secret place. It's only made known to those whom he wants to make it known to. But if he's calling to your heart tonight, and he's saying, this is for you, why don't you just lift up your hands and say, Lord, you are my everything. I'm making you my everything tonight. I'm giving my all to you, Lord. Come and fill me and hide me in that secret place. Let's make that our prayer as we sing it again together. You are my everything, you are my all, you are my Wonderful Heavenly Father. Oh Lord.
Father, my God, my King, my Master, my Redeemer. Oh, you are the lover of our souls, oh God. How you care for us. And you said, Lord, that we should cast our cares upon you. For you care for us, oh God. You see what we're going through. You see the battle. And you've made provision. You knew Elijah would run. You knew he'd need to be sustained. And you prepared a place for him. You knew the enemy would be against your bride in this hour. You knew what we would have need of and you prepared a place for us, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. If there's one refugee, as it were, Lord, that's running scared in this hour under the sound of my voice this evening. Oh, Lord, may you open the door for them. Say, come in to my secret place. Come in, I'm inviting you. Come in and surrender your cares to me. Lay your burdens down. and Lord, may you just speak so sweetly to their hearts. Lord, may you send the Holy Spirit to soothe their minds. And drive out every scar of the enemy. And heal them, O oh Lord. Lord, we're just committing each one into your hands. Oh Lord, we thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the pastor, Lord, and his life that's been given in service to you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for family that you've given us. Thank you for the ones that are saved and the ones that are going to be saved. We thank you for each and every one, Lord. And Lord, even as we look into this end of the year time, Christmas time, we call it. It's a time of reflection. It's a time, Lord, of where we just slow down, begin to appreciate what you've done for us and what others mean to us and so many good things, Lord. We thank you for the real meaning of what it's all about. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Bethlehem and thank you for Calvary. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. We commit ourselves into your hands. Ask your blessing on the people. Lord, may you be with them in the days ahead. There'll be time spent with family. There'll be time with loved ones. We're so thankful for that, Lord. Lord, may you always give us wisdom and the right things to say. And the right atmosphere. That we might give you the preeminence in every gathering. We commit all things to you for your glory. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Oh, we just love him, don't we? Amen. So I think tomorrow night the school invited you all to their Christmas event, concert, whatever they would call it. I don't think there's a Friday night happening. No service or anything. But Sunday is two services right two services on sunday and so we just come back into the house of god and thank him again for what he's done for us amen god bless you shake one another's hand as you go the service is dismissed in jesus name